A Raisin in the Sun, Sidney Poitier. Well, you tell that to my boy tonight. When you put him to sleep on the living room couch, you tell it to him in the morning when his mother goes out of here to take care of somebody else's kids. And tell it to me when we want some curtains or some drapes and you sneak out of here and go work in somebody's kitchen. All I want is to make a future for this family. All I want is to be able to stand in front of my boy like my father never was able to do to me. Raising the Sun, James Baldwin, I am not your Negro. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me on tonight. I just have a specific excerpt that I wanted you guys to listen to. And this excerpt is coming from the book called I Am Not Your Negro, and it is text from James Baldwin. And so I really wanted to read a passage of it, and I hope you guys all enjoy this. So it's coming from, the title is, The Negro and the American Promise. And it's 1963. Dr. Kenneth Clark were invited three men on the forefront of the Negro struggle to sit down and talk with us in front of the television camera. Each of these men, through his actions and his words, but with vastly different manner and means, is a spokesman for some segment of the Negro people today. Malcolm X. Black people in this country have been the victims of violence at the hands of the white man for 400 years, and the following the ignorant Negro preachers, we have thought it was godlike to turn the other cheek to the butte that was brutalizing us. Kenneth Clark, Malcolm X, one of the most articulate exponents of the black Muslim philosophy, has said of your movement and your philosophy that it plays into the hands of the white oppressor, that they are happy to hear you talk about love for the oppressor because this disarms the Negro and fits into the stereotype of the Negro as a meek, turning-the-other-cheek sort of creature. Would you care to comment on Mr. X's beliefs? Martin Luther King, Well, I don't think of love as, in this context, as emotional bosh, but I think of love as something strong and that organizes itself into powerful direct action. This is what I have tried to teach in the struggle in the South, that we are not engaged in a struggle that means we sit down and do nothing. There is a great deal of difference between non-resistance to evil and non-violent resistance. Malcolm X Martin Luther King is just a 20th century or a modern Uncle Tom or a religious Uncle Tom who is doing the same thing Today, to keep Negroes defenseless in the face of, of attack that Uncle Tom did on the plantation to keep those Negroes defenseless in the Malcolm face of the Martin. attacks of the Klan in that day. Men coming from Martin Luther King. Inimaginably, I think though, that we can be sure that the vast majority of Negroes apart, engaged driven in the demonstration together. Who understand By the time that each died, the positions had become be virtually the same position. It can be said, indeed, that, that Martin picked up Malcolm's burden, articulated 
the vision which Malcolm had begun to see and for which he paid with his life, and that Malcolm was one of the people Martin saw on the mountaintop. Medgar was too young to have seen this happen, though he had hoped for it and would not have been surprised, but Magnar was murdered first. I was older than Magnar, Malcolm, and Martin. I was raised to believe that the eldest was supposed to be a model for the younger, and was, of course, expected to die first. Not one of these three lived to be forty. James Baldwin, Robert Kennedy Negroes are continuously making progress here in this country. The progress in many areas is not as fast as it should be, but they are making progress, and we will continue to make progress. There is no reason that in the near and the foreseeable future that a Negro could also be President of the United States. Cambridge University Debate 1965, James Baldwin, I remember, for example, when the ex-Attorney General, Mr. Robert Kennedy, said that it was un that it was unconvincible unconvin that in 40 years in America, a Cambridge University, <laughs> Cambridge University debate, 1965, James Baldwin. I remember, for example, when the ex-Attorney General, Mr. Robert Kennedy, said that it was convincible that in 40 years in America, we might have a Negro president. And that sounded like a very emancipated statement, I suppose, to white people. They were not in Harlem when this statement was first heard. They did not hear, and possibly will never hear, the laughter and the bitterness and the scorn with which this statement was greeted. From the point of view of the man in, in the Harlem barbershop, Bobby Kennedy, not only here today, and now he's already on his way to the presidency, we've been here for 400 years, and now he tells us that maybe in, 40, in four years, if you're good, we may let you become president. Cambridge University Debate, 1965, James Baldwin. I remember, for example, when the ex-Attorney General, Mr. Robert Kennedy, said that it was convincible that in 40 years in America, we might have a Negro president. And that sounded like a very emancipated statement, as opposed to white people. They were not in Harlem when this statement was first, first heard. They did not hear, and possibly will never hear, the laughter and the bitterness and the scorn with which this statement was greeted. From the point of view of the man in Harlem barbershop, Bobby Kennedy only got here yesterday, and now he's already on his way to the presidency. We've been here for 400 years, and now he tells us that maybe in 40 years, if we're good, we may let you become president. James Baldwin, in that Cambridge University debate, 1965. Apology sequence. James Baldwin. I'm sorry, Richard Nixon. I'm deeply sorry, Larry Craig. I'm sorry, Ram Emanuel. I'm deeply sorry about that, Arnold Schwarzenegger. There are no excuses, John Roland. 
I'm sorry, Bill Clinton. We have made plenty of mistakes. Ronald Reagan, for that I apologize. Todd Atkin, I am very sorry. Hillary Clinton, I am so sorry. I did this to you, but you have to get used to it. It's one of those little problems in life. Donald Trump, I take full responsibility. John Ensign, I am here today to again apologize. Anthony Weiner, <laughs> <Weiner. laughs> I apologize for the fact to her. Robert Bentley, for any mistakes I made, I take full responsibility. It's an honor to serve the city of Ferguson and the people who live there. Thomas Jackson.